0: Welcome, everybody, to the Commissioner Wrap-Up Show. I'm joining you live here on a Friday night, getting ready for the weekend. And we're a little over 40 days from the For the Fame Fantasy Baseball live draft at Bazzotta Stadium in Medford, New York. And I'm bringing you this podcast because I'm I'm going to try to do this weekly uh, to engage discussion and to get into the habit of possibly doing the weekly wrap up shows on probably sunday nights after all the matchups are decided as long as they are not too close to call up until sunday night as long as i'm able to record it um, i'm going to be trying to do this more frequently because i feel like it got everyone a little more a little more involved in the, in the group me chat and i thought it was something that everyone seemed to enjoy so um, I took all of your suggestions about what we possibly could be talking about, uh, the Mets lineups versus lefties, the remaining free agents and where, they, where I think they will sign, and then I'm going to go over um, some projections for the draft and talk a little bit about the best players available after keepers. So all that and more, thank you for joining us, and the Commission Wrap-Up Show is next. Thanks for joining me here on the Ford the Fame Commish Wrap-Up Show. I'm going to get started with the free agents that are left, the bare minimum, the barrel scrapers, as you may call them, and we're going to talk about where they might wind up. So Trevor Bauer and Marcelo Zuna finally signed. Mar- uh, Marcelo Zuna went back to Atlanta. Bauer obviously signed with the Dodgers. If you remember, Devin had his meltdown and rant last week. Um, Bauer officially signed with the Dodgers a couple days ago and he was on the field wearing an actual official jersey instead of the replica one that he put on in his clown show video. But who is left on the free agent mark? And that's a really good question. So using the resource that Fangraphs has called roster resource, they have a free agent tracker looking at the free agents left, um, as of now, Rick Porcello, who was on the Mets last year, He had a war of 1.7. He's projected to be about the same next year. Um, He is still a free agent, as well as Jackie Bradley Jr., who is a World Series champion. He was a nice piece for the Red Sox over um, the past few years. I would say probably about six or seven years he's been with the Red Sox. He is a free agent. He was rumored to go to the Mets to potentially play center field for them. Uh, Justin Turner, obviously, is a free agent, third baseman recent World Series champion and noted COVID super spreader. Uh, Justin Turner is still looking for a home. It seems likely he'll wind up back in L.A., but we'll discuss that in a second. Michael Franco is a free agent, another third-base option, who had a little bit of a run with the Kansas City Royals last year. He only played 28 games, but he still is a nice bat, potentially off the bench. Uh, Kevin Pilar is a free agent as well for Colorado last year. A Nice defensive substitution if someone's looking to sign someone to fill a nice bench spot. We have Mitch Moreland, Tyler Anderson, Brad Miller, uh, Tyler Clippard, Trevor Rosenthal, Jed Jerko, Jason Kipnis, my man Brett Gardner, Brett Anderson, and Tommy Hunter. Let's see about the, the second page to see if there's anyone of note on there. And... Well, we have Taiwan Walker, Tommy Malone, Justin Wilson, Trevor Cahill, Tyler Flowers, and Shane Green. Uh, James Paxton, Mark Melanson, Cameron Maven. So some notable names on there. I'll go back to the first page and talk about those first. So Rick Porcello is probably a fifth starter, if not maybe a sixth or seventh. He didn't pitch too great for the Mets last year but I'm sure he will get signed up or signed on to a team that needs pitching in some capacity, especially as injuries hit. And maybe we're going to have uh, teams clamoring for his services sooner than later. So Rick Purcell, I'll make a prediction. I'll put it out there. I'm going to say that he winds up going to uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. I would say he probably could sign on a one-year deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. And join their staff as a sixth or seventh insurance policy in their in their uh rotation. Uh Jackie Bradley Jr., who it seems like he's not going back to the Red Sox. I'm still predicting he's going to the Mets. And I think the Mets need a center fielder. I think he fits the mold for them. It's not the exciting move. It's not George Springer. But Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be uh a nice a nice piece for whatever team he winds up with. Um, I predict he's going to the Mets Justin Turner, despite all the flirting and and waiting around I think he's staying with l a he's the perfect fit for that lineup he's a fan favorite. I think Justin Turner stays with the Dodgers and all of this is for not I think all of this uh waiting around is probably trying to see what the interest is of other teams and I'm sure other teams are interested and he would be a nice piece and say the Mets lineup, but it makes too much sense for the dodgers to bring not bring him back so I say I say he stays with the Dodgers. Um, who really cares about Michael Franco, Kevin Pilar, Mitch Moreland, blah blah blah, Brad Miller? All right, well, Trevor Rosenthal is a nice piece. He was in the bullpen for the San Diego Padres last year, and his velocity was up. And he was the other guy I was talking about that not only had a good workout for some teams that were looking for his services, um, but he could potentially be that elite closer that he was um, a few years ago. Um, I see Trevor Rosenthal as a finishing piece to a bullpen, and I'm predicting that he goes to the Yankees. The Yankees have a little bit of cap space. Well, not cap space, but a little bit of space that's under the, the luxury threshold. So I see him going to the Yankees as a nice little complimentary piece in that bullpen, and that will close the door officially on Brett Gardner. Now, Brett Gardner is someone that can still play um, center field at an elite level. He is a leader in the clubhouse. He has a winning pedigree. And unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be staying with the Yankees for his full career. I think it's similar to the Bernie Williams situation. Bernie Williams was a better player overall, but the Yankees sort of forced him out. And Bernie Williams put off retirement for the longest time, if everybody remembers. He didn't officially retire until, I think, four or five years or six years after he was not re-signed by the Yankees when he was a free agent um, around the 2007 season. So Brett Gardner, unfortunately, I think his time is up in pinstripes, but I think the desire is to still play. And I can see him um, going somewhere else and playing well but it won't be with the Yankees. My prediction, throwing a dart at the wall. Let's say Brett Gardner goes to a team that needs sort of leadership and needs someone that knows what it's like to play the dog days of summer and play down a pennant uh down the stretch in a pennant race in big pressure pack games and knows how to rally a team. I'm gonna say he's going to go to the Padres off the bench. So those are my predictions for the the other guys are not really meaningful at all. Brett Anderson Tommy Hunter, uh, Tyler Flowers is a backup catcher, Tommy Malone, Justin Walker. I mean, Tyler Walker is pretty interesting, and I'm not sure why he isn't signed yet. It's kind of, it's a little bit weird. He is only uh, 28 years old. He has a lot of innings on that arm, and he didn't pitch great for Toronto last year. But Taiwan Walker is a big boy, 6'4", 235 pounds. He... He's able to uh, throw strikes when healthy. And why not take a chance on him? Um, I don't see him being a free agent for long. Maybe he can return to form with you know, the prospect that the Mariners thought he actually was back in 2013. He never really quite prospered to the heights that everyone thought he would. But uh, in 2014, at 2.61 ERA. And last year, uh, he had... 2.70 ERA, but that was only through I think four starts. Um, so let's see if anyone takes a risk on Taiwan Walker. I wouldn't mind him, uh, potentially going somewhere like the Phillies or maybe Cleveland, who is in need of pitching after shipping off Carrasco to the Indians. it is. Hey, that looks good. It looks just like tomato juice. But it's eight juices. Good for you and me, V8. Well, I still say it looks like tomato juice. But it's eight ways tasty. Discover it and see. Eight lively juices, vegetable juices, yours for good health in V8. But I still say it looks like tomato juice. Well, just take one taste of V8. Wow, it sure doesn't taste like tomato juice. Of course not. It tastes like V8. Great. V8 cocktail vegetable juice. From all right, so obviously I messed up before, and I had said that Carrasco was shipped to the Indians. Hopefully you all knew what I meant, that Carrasco was shipped from the Indians to the Mets. But nevertheless, the Indians need a pitcher, and I think potentially Taiwan Walker would be a good fit for them. So... The next thing we're going to be talking about is the remaining players that are left after the keepers are done. So what I did was I crossed off all of the keepers off of my list. These are not my rankings. They are kind of the consensus 1 through 20 pitchers. Rank them as you may. But they are the consensus of the best pitchers that are available uh, in the draft. So looking at the draft order and who has first round uh, picks... Uh, Travis is number one. He won the consolation bracket, and he has the first overall pick. So Travis has no keeper that's in the first round, um, and he's followed by Bazada and Alicia. So the top three picks are going to be Travis, Bazada, and Alicia, and maybe they're going to be pitchers. I could see Travis going back with Cole. How to be strategic that he didn't keep Cole after last year, knowing that he'd have the first overall pick. So Cole is there, DeGrom is there, and Walker Buehler is there. I think the smart choice here is either Cole or DeGrom. Travis has known to be unorthodox. He's known to be um, a little bit off the grid with his draft picks, but I see him going and playing it safe with a Cole pick there. Now Bazzara is next, and he is known to play- take offensive players. He threw Mookie Betts back into the... Into the lot of players, I see Mookie Betts landing back with Pizzotta and staying with him uh, for the 2021 season. So Mookie Mookie Betts winds up back with Pizzotta. Now Alicia is picking third, and I think DeGrom will wind up with her. So first three picks would be Cole, Mookie, and then DeGrom to Alicia. But again, Alicia is unorthodox, to say the least. Um, she's usually worried about who's dating who, and maybe DeGrom, his relationship's not going too well, or something she read about that she finds important is going to sway her from not taking Jacob. And maybe she'll go with Walker Bueller, or maybe she'll go with Aaron Nola. But my prediction, I think the safe bet is she takes Jacob DeGrom. Now Nick decided to keep Ronald Acuna Jr. He will be picked at uh, number four, Jimmy Cap, Kristen Yelich. So now Devin is number six, which is interesting because if you look at Devin's keepers, Devin's pretty stacked at pitchers. So I'm pulling up the, the keeper list, and Devin's keepers are. He has Jack Flaherty, Trevor Story, and Lucas Giolito. So, and then Tristan McKenzie, if they remember, and Sixto Sanchez. So it would be pretty smart for Devin not to pick a pitcher here and go with an offensive player. But who would that offensive player be? So my prediction is I'm going through the list. And with the staff that already has Flaherty, Giolito, McKenzie, and Sixto, I think he's going to need offense to join Trevor's story. So I'm going to go to my list, and I think the best player that would be available for Devin. Um, obviously, I told, told you that Mookie would be uh, sent to Bizzotta, but I could see Devin. Well, this is tough because Devin is, Devin is someone that... He stays by the book a little bit, but I I think he's going to be. He's going to have a tough choice to make. And the the bet the best player that's listed here is Bryce Harper, and I don't think that he's going to be taking Bryce Harper. And I also don't think with his first overall pick that he's going to take George Springer. (sighs) But I mean he could just crush it with pitchers and then take Aranola or Bueller. You know what? I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to say he takes Aranola. So let's see. I'm going to go through. The pick so far, hopefully you're staying with me here. It means Travis takes Cole. Bazada takes Mookie. Alicia takes Jacob deGrom. Nick keeps Ronald Acuna. Jimmy keeps Yelich. Devin drafting Aaron Nola in the first round. So after that, unfortunately, I don't have a pick in the first round. That's Scherzer. Perrier gets a steal of uh, eighth overall at Mike Trout. That leaves Greg and Karen in the first round. So Greg, he has, let's see, Greg's greg's keepers so greg who was the runner-up last year he has shane Bieber for a steal in round 13 and tyler glass now for pitcher and that's pretty much it for his staff so far he's keeping cody bellinger in round four so he could really lean offense and i see him doing that so offensively the next best player that probably could be left um He could go for someone like Jose Ramirez or Alex Bregman, uh, maybe even Nolan Arenado. It's very challenging, too, and Greg is someone who should be predictable at this point, but he's not. His winning strategy is not consistent. He just finds a different way to win every year. My prediction, if I had to pick for Greg, is I say he's going to go with Jose Ramirez. So that, that gives Greg Jose Ramirez, and then Karen is left for the last pick of the draft, or the last pick of the first round. Her keepers this year are you Darvish, Glaber Torres, and Luke Voigt. So she has no pitchers, well, she has Darvish, and that means she's going to have to go pitcher, and that means that the best pitcher available for her would be Walker Bueller. Hmm, so looking at the first round, let me recap for you guys. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so Cole to Travis, Mookie to Bizata, to Grom, to Alicia. I'm just loading it up, hopefully enjoying the jams like I am. finally loaded sorry about that so travis is going to be key drafting cole Bazada muki alicia de nick ronald Acuna, jimmy christian yelish devin arenola me max scherzer Perrier mike trout greg i don't really feel good about jose ramirez but you know what i said it jose ramirez for greg and then walker bueller for karen and that's my predictions for the first round of the draft and you know what i'm pretty confident in the top three i kind of fall off a little bit with devin greg and karen They can go either way. I I know Devin loves Aaron Nola, but does he feel great about picking him number one overall? In the first round, I should say, is his first pick. He's that good, and he should feel good about it, but he has the choice of either Walker Bueller or Aaron Nola. And by the time the second round rolls around, there may not be a lot of pitchers left because after that, the fall-off is pretty significant. You go from Walker Buehler, Aaron Nola, Brandon Woodruff, all the way down to a guy like Lance Lynn or Zach Granke. So the fall-off is pretty significant. So I think pitchers are going to go pretty quickly. And the teams that are going to be stacked on pitching already, like Devin, is going to be pretty well set for the draft because he's not going to have to be really... Worried about finding the pitchers later in rounds. All right, so as I'm going through the list, I'm gonna, I separated them by position, and now I have the person that Greg will be taking. I think Greg will be taking Freddie Freeman. I mean, Devin loves Freddie Freeman, but I can't see Devin passing up on another uh, pitcher that he could stack up his his starting rotation at three strong with Giolito, or four strong with Giolito, Tristan McKenzie, Sixto Sanchez, um, and Jack Flair. That's five strong. And he pops in Aaron He could be unstoppable. But maybe Devin wants to stick with um, Freddie Freeman, his boy. But uh, let's just talk a little bit about the first basemen that are available. The only first basemen that are kept, well, eligible, would be Luke Voigt, who had the most home runs in the AL last year. or He was runner-up to Jose Abreu, and Cody Bellinger, who doesn't play much first base, but he's eligible at first base. The other first baseman is going through the top 10. The falloff is pretty significant from Freddie Freeman, but Freddie Freeman is the unanimous number one, obviously, in on everybody's list. He is always a candidate for the NL MVP. He's someone that uh, is going to be going in either the first round or the second round, despite what I said in the mock draft. Jose Abreu, who won the AL MVP last year, stole from DJ LeMahieu. I think it was grand larceny, obviously, um, but he had a great year. Um, Jose Abreu is the second-ranked first baseman after Bellinger because he's been kept. And then Luke Voigt was kept by Karen. And then other person, other player that's um, eligible for first base is DJ LeMahieu. Then you got Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonso, Matt Olson. Anthony Rizzo, Max Muncy, Vlad Jr., Dominic Smith, Reese Hoskins, and Christian Walker. Like, look at that drop-off. You have two Mets in the top 15, and Dom Smith is not even guaranteed to have um, playing time because the DH and the NL is non-existent. So you see that getting a first baseman is going to be pretty important for the teams because if you don't grab Freeman, Abreu, LeMahieu, Goldschmidt, or Alonzo. The FALF is pretty great after number seven, with Olsen, Rizzo, and Muncy being your other options. So, um, the great thing about fantasy baseball is that you can start a first baseman that doesn't play first baseman, uh, doesn't play first base consistently on the field, but he's obviously eligible. So, um going to, let's see, second base. Second base is pretty wide open. I don't think any second basemen were kept. So second basemen that are out there, Ozzy Albies is somehow ranked on a lot of different rankings, not my rankings, but um, he's ranked number one as the best second baseman in the league, and I'm not sure I agree with that. But he's projected to have a monster year in a great Braves lineup. He's batting with the protection of Ron Lacuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman. He's got speed. He's got power. He hits for um, average. He's a great all-around player, but I don't know if he's the best second baseman in baseball. Um, The other interesting part is how far Altuve fell down the list. And obviously, Altuve was a mess last year. Um, And I think with fans in the the stadiums, I think Altuve could have a tough year again. But you can get a real bargain for Altuve. Um, He is... 10 in a lot of projections with players like Whit Merrifield ahead of him, Kevin Biggio, uh, Marte, Brandon Lau all ahead of him. That's interesting to me. I think Altuve, um, the talent is there. I can't think, I can't say that the, you know, the cheating did it all for him, but I don't know if I'd waste a top pick on Altuve. So second base is pretty thin as well. Um, from Albies to LeMayhew, Whit Merrifield, McNeil, Biggio, there's a lot of crapshoots in that list. So it should be interesting to see uh, what happens at second base and who prioritizes that in the draft. All right. Um, So going to catcher. Catcher is an absolute disaster too. Um, Number one unanimously is JT Realmuto. Everyone knows that. But is anyone going to take the dive and take him high in the draft? Um, the strategy in a lot of um, mock drafts I've seen is that everyone waits on catcher, and I don't see that strategy being any different in our draft. If you don't get real Muto, the drop off from that is, again, pretty significant. Wilson Contreras, Yasmani Grandal, Sal Perez, Travis Darno, Gary Sanchez, Will Smith, Sean Murphy, Christian Vasquez, and then number ten. Dalton Varso from Arizona, the rookie, which I don't even think he's played any any games at all, and he's freaking, that's wild, he's in the top 10 of potential catchers, let me see how many bats he has, maybe he played a little bit last year, okay, well he played 37 games last year, but interesting he didn't even have that great of a year Had three home runs it just shows how lowly the catcher position has fallen um wow so he's ranked ahead of james mccann which i think james mccann had a really good year for the tigers last year and he's gonna be great for the mets um we'll see who prioritizes catcher but it is absolutely messy after you get past the top three guys so good luck with that position everybody uh, the other position I wanted to talk about is shortstop. We have three shortstops that are kept, and after that, it's pr- it's pretty talented. It's pretty stacked in there. So, shortstop is the, uh, going to be one of those positions that goes pretty fast after, um, say starting pitching. I think it's the first that and first base shortstop. I think people are going to prioritize it so. Number one ranked is Tatis. I don't know if I agree with that, especially in our format where stolen bases and you know speed is not really rewarded as much as it is in some of the rotisserie leagues and the categories leagues. But Tatis does hit triples, which is pretty valuable in our league, and he had he did hit a lot of home runs last year. Um, so you have guys like Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, Mondesi, which is interesting. Again, in our format. Him and Turner are ranked pretty high in other formats because they prioritize steals. And I think we need to have that discussion as a league to maybe talk about uh, how to make steals in those those players that do steal bases, make them more valuable. But every time we tinkered with it, it made them too valuable. And I remember we like made steals double their worth, and it wound up making Trey Turner like the number one player in... In our league by a lot. So it's hard to tinker with the numbers. And I think there's a way we can do it, but we have to have a discussion as a league. And I think maybe at the draft would be the best place to do it because it's hard to do that um, in a group chat. And I think it's something we need to look at because it's part of baseball and it's part of the game. But we also don't want to make it way too valuable. So just keep that in mind in your rankings. And it's a little tip for you guys look at the rankings for how they. Um, for how they compare it to different league setups, so a lot of, a lot of the leagues do categories in the rotisserie and the the rotisserie cumulative stats. So that is something that, a lot of the professional fantasy leagues will rank players based off that. So, and that's not exactly how we do things. So keep that in mind when you see guys like Trey Turner, and Adalberto Alberto Mondesi ranked pretty high. I mean someone like Francisco Lindor, he. His talent is not based off speed, but like Trey Turner climbs the ranks and even guy like Billy Hamilton a few years ago would have been super valuable in a lot of leagues, but he's not even rostered in our league because of the fact that, you know, stolen bases isn't that valuable. It's just it's worth. um, Let me just pull it up while we're while we're waiting here. So stolen bases are worth uh, 0.30, which is a little more than a single and just a tick lower than a double, it's not that valuable. If we bumped it up to, say, one, that could change the whole dynamic, how draft is done and how the players are ranked. It's worth a discussion, but I don't want to do it if it's going to overvalue a player like Trey Turner. I'm not sure if it's worth it, but I'm willing to have the discussion. So... Just take that with a grain of salt when you are preparing for your draft. Especially you, Nick, who hasn't drafted in our league yet. A lot of projections overvalue stolen base. And in our format, it's not. It's the one glaring hole we have is that stolen bases really are not worth anything more than a single. So, um, for those guys like Trey Turner and Adalberto Montessi, unless Turner's going to be hitting triples like he did last year um, and score 101 runs like he did last year, that's something that makes him valuable but it doesn't make him a top tier player he goes in the top five in a lot of different leagues because of the stolen bases um lastly i'm going to be talking about well i have two positions left we have outfield and third base so looking at outfield first outfield There's a guy, a lot of guys kept um so i said that mookie would be drafted by bizarro in the first round and i i stick by that mookie is the consensus number one overall in a lot of rankings. And then guys like Juan Soto, Acuna Jr., Mike Trout, Kristen Yelich, and Cody Bellinger usually all follow suit of Mookie. And then Bryce is usually next. Bryce Harper, Starling Marte, George Springer, Whit Field, Kyle Tucker. And then uh, Jeff McNeil is in a lot of rankings, but it's mixed, so he has the eligibility. Obviously, he plays a lot of infield for the Mets, but his eligibility is all over the place, so he finds himself higher-ranked. Um, in the outfield so um, will someone take a risk on Harper this year Harper seems to be not well liked in our league and he gets undervalued in my opinion Bryce Harper always winds up on a team um, and he doesn't get drafted with the same consistency he does in a lot of leagues I don't know why but uh, it just happens that way and I think I love Harper at Citizens Bank Park I think he's great in that lineup with with the Phillies in one of these years they are finally going to break out. And he's going to have that MVP season like he did... Um, I mean, years ago at this point? Was it like five years ago with Washington? So Harper um, is due. And a lot of the projections have him... Uh, going back to the level of... Of an MVP caliber player. Um, seeing Whit Merrifield on the list is interesting as well. I love Whit. I think he is a dynamic player. And he's eligible for a whole bunch of different positions. So... Um, Drafting Merrifield and seeing where he would go. I see him maybe going in like the fourth or fifth round, but whoever gets Merrifield is getting one hell of a player. And it's nice to see him get highly ranked in a lot of different um, projections and formats. Um, The other guy that is going to be interesting to see where he goes is George Springer. He is another one of those players that uh, provides a lot of um, flexibility in your lineup. He's eligible for, I believe, all three outfield positions, so that's great for anyone that's trying to um, have a diverse lineup without too many of those logjam guys that kind of clog spots, like a guy like Nelson Cruz. Like Nelson Cruz always, um, Nelson Cruz always crushes it, but it's always tough to leave him in a utility spot where he has no other eligibility, so it's challenging because um, he's going to be DHing all year. Um, I pulled up Bryce's steamer and his projections for next year. And they're projecting him for this year to be back to his MVP season. So his MVP year was, let's see, um, 2018 was his best year with the Nationals. And did he win the MVP that year, Bryce Harper, MVP? So they're projecting him to have, okay, he won in, in 2015. So going back to those numbers, yeah, that was a crazy year. 118 runs scored, 42 home runs, 99 RBIs. He played 153 games. What a year, what a year for him that year. Um, he really never quite got back to that level. But sneaky in 2019, he had a great year for the Phillies. 157 games played, 35 bombs, 98 runs scored, 114 RBIs. What a goddamn year for Bryce Harper in 2019. Um, Last year was a little bit of a a down year for him. But it was, again, 58 games out of the 60. He played almost the full year. And I love Harper this year. Damn. And so, like I said, the steamer has him hitting 36 home runs, 100 runs scored, 98 RBIs. And they have him playing 150 games. So what else can you ask for in an outfielder? So I think he's appropriately ranked. Um, You guys may disagree because a lot of you guys hate Bryce, but wow. Um, He had sneaky two good years with the Phillies. So watch out for Bryce this year. Um, Other outfielders. Let's see that Eloy was kept by Jimmy. Now Jimmy... Yeah, Jimmy's keeping Eloy. And other guys that, I mean... Outfield's pretty deep. You got guys like Judge, Blackman, Conforto, Buxton, Austin Meadows, Rosario on his new team in Cleveland. Castellanos, who's a great player. I was trying to get him from Travis all last year. He wouldn't budge. Maybe Castellanos finally comes home to the the real squad here. Um, And lastly, let's go to relief pitchers. Always a crapshoot. I think Devin and I spoke about this, but bullpens in general. But... Wow. Drafting a relief pitcher early is, as Perrier, not a great thing to do. His first year in the league, he was like, oh, let me get pitchers that are playing every day. And it just didn't work out. It was a nice strategy, but I think he learned from that. Um, The top five closers they have, which agree or disagree, Liam Hendricks for the White Sox, Josh Hader for the Brewers, Edwin Diaz for the Mets, uh, Raycel Iglesias, who's now on the Angels, and then Chapman is number five. Coming in a close six and seven, we Kenley Jansen, Brad Hand. Um, everyone's high in Liam Hendricks. Uh, I guess because the White Sox are supposed to be playing in competitive games all year. They should be winning a lot of games. Maybe they're playing a lot of close games and Liam Hendricks is going to be charged with um, closing them down. We shall see. But usually the top-ranked closers are never going to be... Uh, the top-ranked reliever reliever at the end of the year. So Hendricks was great for Oakland, but is he better than Hader? I don't know. Hader was awesome last year. I think Boxell had him. Hader was great. Um, But you will not find me drafting a relief pitcher earlier than, like, I don't know, around six or seven. Spoiler alert. If I do that, I've had way too many beers. So if anyone sees me drafting a reliever, you know I'm having a really good time. All right, well, hopefully you guys enjoyed the impromptu mock draft that I put together there. I didn't intend on doing that, but I uh, just decided just to do the first round because I think it'd be interesting to see how it actually shakes up and how accurate my picks are. I'm already not confident in how I picked out the Devin's pick, Karen's pick, and Greg's pick, because now that I saw Freeman still available, I could definitely see him going in the first round. I really can't foresee Freeman falling out of the first round, but Devin can really put a lock on the starting pitching and having the best starting pitching um, going into the first week of the season if he takes Nola or Bueller because that puts him, like I said, five or six deep and it's hard to really compete with that. Um, but Devin knows Devin only Devin knows what he's going to do, so it should be interesting to see. And all the, the chips will fall as soon as um, Travis and Bazzotta pick who they pick and then we'll go from there because Bazzotta can... Prove me wrong and not pick Mookie. Bazada could sit here and say, you know what, I'm taking DeGrom. Or we could take someone like Aaron Nola and surprise all of us and we'll throw everything off. Or Travis could pick DeGrom instead of Cole. Or Travis can pick Freddie Freeman and then Cole's left for Bazada. So everything, the mock draft is just conjecture and it's just conversation. But we won't know exactly what's going to happen until the day. That's what makes it so great. Everyone has their own strategy. Everyone has their way of doing things. And that's what makes this league so much fun, because you can predict it. So it's really just conversation, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I know that Nick wanted me to talk a little bit about how the Mets lineup will stack uh, against lefties. And I was doing it, but I don't think it really warrants that much conversation, because I think the only thing they're going to be doing is circling VR in the lineup a little bit against lefties, because he's a switch hitter. I think they're going to be giving him the playing time against challenging lefties, He has the experience um, in big games. I think he's someone that is a veteran presence, and he'll be someone that the Mets lean on in those times. But I think the lineup's going to be remaining pretty consistent. You're going to see the same faces in the lineup pretty consistently. And I think VR is the only guy that's going to be kind of um, off the bench and playing probably uh, against those tough lefties. And then um, you're going to see McNeil playing every day. You're going to see Alonzo playing every day. And I think that's what's great about the Mets' lineup. They, you can roll that lineup um, out against anybody, and they really can compete on any given day. So the Mets are going to be exciting to watch um, with the addition of Lindor uh, in that lineup and James McCann. Don't forget to mention him. James McCann is going to be fun to watch, not only behind the plate and defensively, but he's going to be fun to watch um, offensively. He's going to be a huge upgrade um, for the Mets over Tomas Nito, who... Um, definitely let the, left the Mets wanting to sign a new catcher or trade for one in the offseason because he was um, abysmal. But as we talked about, the catching position is real weak. There's not much after Real Muto and Contreras and Grendal fantasy-wise. I mean, do you think Travis Darno is going to have the same year he had in Atlanta? You know what, if you do, kudos to you, but I don't know. I don't really see it. And maybe that you can find the catcher. That's in that list. That's deep buried in in our projections. That's going to be the next big star that nobody knows. Uh, I just can't find him. Um, When you still have – when you look at these names like Dalton Varso, who played 37 games, he's ranked in the top 10. That's when you know the position's really, really struggling. All right, well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this second edition of the commission's wrap-up show. I'm going to be coming to you weekly – potentially on Sunday nights with the guests or just by myself wrapping up the week and talking about the matchups and maybe some trades that were made in the upcoming schedule instead of doing the write-up that I was doing for a little bit. um, I definitely think this is the better format for you guys to consume it. I think it ignites conversation. It uh, helps you guys engage a little bit better. Uh, The feedback I got from everybody is that they enjoyed it. Um, By no means am I just... uh, expecting everyone to hop on here with me. I know it's not everyone's thing, but if you would like to be on here and you'd like to uh, have a conversation about anything, whether it be MLB or fantasy or just talking shit or whatever, this format is for you guys. I think it's great to have everyone involved and I'm open to that. Devin and I kind of proved that you can, with the Anchor app, I sent him the link. As long as you have a strong enough Wi-Fi connection you can have a pretty seamless conversation and it sounded pretty good the quality was better than anything i could have anticipated so um it's open for anyone that wants to do it so let me know um again hope you guys enjoyed listening to us i thank you for joining me here in the Comish wrap-up show until next week guys Kamish out